All right, well, welcome back to uh, another edition of the Boilers Extra uh, podcast. Uh, as Purdue gets ready to uh, travel to Maryland, its second straight road game after uh, uh, beating uh, Minnesota last week and kind of picking up its season a little bit. And, of course, they play in the Big Ten West where nobody's eliminated and nobody will ever be eliminated uh, until after Thanksgiving. Uh, but here to preview Saturday's game and talk about Maryland, George Gerber from the Washington Times. He's a man of many, many talents. He's not just solely football. He's covered the House of Representatives. He's covered Congress. He's covered who knows what else in Washington, what other things he's dug up. He's probably went to where Deep Throat was talking at one point way back, way back in the day. And for you youngsters, just Google it and you'll figure it out after that. Uh, George, thanks for taking some time out, and appreciate you joining the podcast today. Absolutely, Mike. Fun fun fact, I used to live in Arlington, and so the parking garage where Deep Throat would be, <laughs> where in Bernstein, is no longer there, unfortunately, but it was a parking uh, garage in Arlington. So. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully there's a statue or a, a memento there that uh, recognizes that spot. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think just the development is, is kind of like swallowed up everything, but <laughs> I, I remember reading that growing up, oh, it was a... You know, it was a place in Arlington, and the, the hotel across from the Watergate's right. like uh, you know apartment building uh, thing now. So it's everything changes around. All right. All right, well, let's get into this Maryland team. Uh, four and one, only loss at Michigan, and that's not a bad loss. Uh, and they were in that game. They had fumbled the opening kickoff and basically gave Michigan some free points. Uh, you know, Michigan pulled away a little bit. I mean, they had a great game on the ground from Blake Corum, and who kind of took over that game, but. Uh, kind of the state of Maryland right now and what they've done up to this point, what what has impressed you about what, what they've done? Yeah, I, the optimism, I would say, around the program, just the vibe feels better than it has of, since Mike Lockley took over A and pretty much, uh, I'd argue, any time here in the last decade. The era before um, was DJ Durkin, who was the head coach here, and most notably a lot of issues that happened uh, leading up to the death of, of Jordan McNair who died because of heat stroke and eventually he left the program um, and and so this it was taken some time to, to kind of spin this and turn this thing around Loxley is a local guy uh, believes in this region believes in keeping people in, in this region he's done that to an extent as he's built his recruiting classes and and probably the most impressive thing specifically this season uh, and we, we focused a lot uh, around here on the running game, which has been, Loxley would tell you it's not a surprise that they're impressive, and it's something they hammered from the beginning of fall camp to, hey, we've got four essentially running backs, that none of them with more than two years in the program, so they're all young, they're all talented, uh, they're extremely athletic, and that coupled along with a receiving core that was the standout for the offense last season, but this season, the numbers aren't as gaudy, but that's in part because the running game has, game has come along, and you probably know better that, than, than most that running is, is something in this conference that uh, you have to do whether you like it or not. I think, right. you know, if Maryland were a Big 12 team, it'd be great for Talia to talk about to throw the ball over the place, and he does do that, but uh, it comes down to these very gritty games in often unfavorable weather conditions like they had here against Michigan State uh, last week. And the, the most impressive thing has been how they have run the ball between Roman Envy and Antoine and the other backs. Well, the other factor, too, is they have I mean, a lot of weapons on the perimeter, too. I mean, they've got, what, six guys with at least double-digit catches so far, and they, they just kind of keep spreading it around. Yeah, 10 different receivers in that last game uh, caught the ball against Michigan State, and 
there's, you know, the, I, I think the, the biggest star in that room, at least me personally, is Dante Demas, who was their standout guy for them last year uh, towards ACL on a punt return in a, in a game against Iowa here. And so uh, it feels like the, the coaching staff is bringing him along a little bit slowly, but he still has yet to kind of play uh, as big of a role as he did last year. 500 yards the, through three games, through the first five games last year. He's only got 85 yards through the same number of games here in, in 2022. But you mentioned Rakim Jarrett, who's a local kid, uh, is incredibly talented. Jay Sean Jones is arguably one of the more athletic, uh, or most athletic receiver they have because he's able, not just a downfield threat, but he can do some things in the flat. They brought in um, Jacob Copeland, who was Florida's leading receiver last year, transferred into the program this season. So all of those guys, this, this, the way they've been able to spread the ball around, both and also to the running backs too. Sometimes when you know it's not working in the passing game, they'll, they now have a release valve in, in using the running backs in the passing option which was not the case last season. It was kind of a stagnant position for Maryland that you could key on them just being heavily dependent on throwing the ball, forcing Tonga Bailoa to make some mistakes. And so this season, it's a much more balanced offense, and it's shown that through five games so far. I know when they started the year, they had a very experienced offensive line. I think all the starters were back. Is that still the case? And what have they done to really anchor this offense? Yeah, all, all five still back. I think they were uh, one of only five programs nationally and the power of five to, uh, to bring back their entire starting offensive line. Um, Talia, uh, I don't have a specific sack number. He's been less hassled, and he has not been on his back nearly as much uh, in, in my sight through, through these first five games. And Dan, offensive coordinator Dan Enos told us, you know, something in the preseason uh, that, that kind of you know, stuck with me and made a lot of sense that it was those guys – those offensive linemen and these running backs who are either, you know, freshmen or redshirt freshmen or redshirt sophomores, just they worked a lot on, you know, it's kind of cliche to say it, but team building, but just like hanging out together, it's, you know, the program sometimes felt like separate units doing their own thing, but they, as Loxley's been here, they've kind of bought into this, we need to get together and just like be on the same page type of thing, both off the field. And in practice, so every time you hear, you know, Hemby or Littleton after a game, it's, you know, those guys up front and the same thing, Spencer Anderson, Jalen Duncan, uh, all those guys on the offensive line, you know, are incredibly talented. And it is showing in the amount of holes that are opening up for these running backs. Hemby's gone off for a 70-yard touchdown, a 50-plus, two 50-plus yard runs so far this season. Littleton's done the same thing. So it's, it's, it's an element that Maryland has not had where you can – almost expect a running back to be able with the proper blocking to knock one off for 50 plus yards that's something they have not had at all in the last three seasons here right you know anytime a big 10 team has a lot of offense usually the other side of the ball suffers (laughs) a lot uh but i you know in watching some of maryland's games this year highlights and whatever they seem to be they seem to have taken a step defensively. Now, you know, they gave up some yards, some big rushing yards against Michigan, but they won't be the only one that, that, that does that. But we're, how much improvement has been made defensively uh, this year uh, for them to, to really get to this point in the season? Yeah, I was worried about uh, linebackers going in because they had a lot of people transfer out of the program. Um, Demion Robinson, Chop, Chop Robinson, he transferred to Penn State. A couple other guys transferred out of the program. Um, they brought in Vandarius Cowan, who was a transfer, graduate transfer from West Virginia. And the, perhaps the biggest uh, name, Jayshon Barham, who 
Baltimore kid, St. Francis Academy, originally uh, committed to South Carolina, and within you know a day or two of he was going to make the announcement uh, of, of being there, he flipped his commitment to Maryland, and he's a good guy. The locks have got to stay home. He has been impressive even as a freshman in this offense, and he's somebody that down the line could be you know an All Big Ten type of player, I believe. Uh, the secondary has stepped up in a way that, that was one of my things that stuck out in, in, in during camp that in terms of creating turnovers now it's a nice concept to talk about like oh we need to you know force fumbles and we need to get fixed but this team was in the bottom they were third worst nationally in turnover ratio and also puts that puts them at the bottom of the Bennett Rutgers or at the bottom of the Big Ten Conference I believe and you have like Jacorian Bennett for example defensive back you know broke up 16 passes last year six passes this year combined that's the most of any back in the country since the beginning of last year uh only three of those i think last season were interceptions so there's been a focus on as opposed to just you know being disruptive can we take the disruption and use it to our advantage brian williams is the new defensive coordinator this season he was a defensive assistant last season and there's just been more that we to to a man that we've talked to uh, more of an emphasis of, you know, when you're going to be at the guy as opposed to, you know, blowing up somebody for a hit or just a wrap tackle. Can we get an arm in there? Can we be more hawkish on in the secondary? And it has paid off so far this season there with, with interceptions uh, and with fumble recoveries. Yeah, we're visiting with uh, George Gerber from the Washington Times, covers Maryland um, and the Terrapins, who also cover basketball uh, this season. And I think Purdue goes out there for basketball. Uh, I think Maryland comes here too, so uh, we'll get a double dose of the Terps coming up uh, in the winter. But uh, you know, with this with this team, um, they're they're probably the one team uh, in the Big Ten that is looking forward to not having divisions anymore, uh, <laughs> because you know, yeah, they're behind Ohio State, they're behind Michigan. I'm curious when they play Penn State how that game goes, but you know, they could be the fourth best team in the East. And be buried in the East, but obviously would win the West by ten games uh, right now. So once once we all come together and UCLA and USC join, I think Maryland's probably one of those teams that's going to like that that format. You think? We, we, yeah, absolutely. We asked Loxley about you know expansion, and he you know supported just keeping the prestige of the conference and everything by bringing SC and UCLA in. Uh, yeah, no, but in my head, it was something that always in the back of my head. It's like, man, if we just, especially last year, like there, you know, Rutgers was the only team they beat in that division. Um, and then Indiana was there, Indiana and, and Illinois were their two uh, other wins. Um, but then, they, you know, sometimes you'll get that other side of the coin where they got, you know, a very tough Minnesota team last right. year that uh, they went out and had to go out to Minneapolis and, and lost to. But yeah, when you level the field a little bit, um, Michigan State, obviously, it's, it, you know, a little bit of a downward year, but when you look at that schedule, you know, going into the season, I'm like, man, they're, you know, two big hitters there in, in Michigan and Michigan State, and then you've got some games where they can be competitive here in the middle, and then they'll wrap it up, Ohio State, Penn State, Rutgers at the end of it. Uh, the Buckeyes at least come here this year. That was a, a big game out there, you know, that I was at the, the Travion Henderson, and everybody put up just, you know, boodles of offense against them, so they always struggle against the Buckeyes. Right. Some of these other teams, they can, you know, Northwestern previously had been a tough game. Obviously, the Wildcats, uh, you know, on a little bit of a, a slide here this year. Um, they get Wisconsin, obviously, who just followed uh, fired Paul Christ, but they've, they've never won there, and they've only they've, they've only ever played them since they joined the conference, and they're 0-3 against them. So 
you have to go to Camp Randall, which for the folks coaching out there is, is obviously a tough environment. But yeah, when you open this up a little bit and, and you've kind of got uh, an agnostic system where everybody's just uh, uh, playing each other, they certainly like to get uh, Ohio State and Michigan off that schedule in some years. And at least they're not back-to-back here this year. They were back-to-back last year <laughs> and you separated them. And they were all in the tail end of the schedule. And you're trying to get to six wins and you just start, you know, well, okay, that one's maybe not like, okay, we we think they can beat Rutgers, which they did, and then you're trying to figure out where the other where the other wins come in there. So it's it, yeah, it's going to be a, a little bit of a blessing, uh, and probably levels the field in parity too uh, for the whole conference. I think. Um, I, I think when Loxley came in, he was hailed as a great recruiter, which is 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 true. Uh, but his as he moved past that a little bit, and now he's getting the the combination of really good recruiter and 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 the good coach part of it, where. You know the program is is, is poised and uh, pretty solid here for the next few years. Yeah, he's he's a really interesting um, guy to cover. You know, uh, it's it's less you, know, you see you know coaches across this conference and across the country, um, and I think about the SEC too, where it's like you know super intense, rah rah rah, whatever. Um, with his players, obviously, maybe different, but he still strikes. It is very family. He is a, he is you know committed to making this. Uh, family type of environment, type of atmosphere. He loves the DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia region, our nickname for it. Um, he loves keeping these guys here, whether they're from Baltimore, whether they're from uh, the district of Virginia. And it, it's, I think he's not like the most like rah rah type of, you know, when, when I want my, my interaction with other coaches is just kind of seeing the media day, you know, right. in, in, in August and, and everything and watching. And it's like, okay, like it's interesting to see how these other coaches are covered because. You know, Loxley is not going to, he'll, he'll be, you know, upset and, and he can be stern, but he's never, he's not a screamer, in my opinion, screamer type of person um, to get the most out of his players. It's, it's love, it's tough love. Maryland, um, earlier this season, they had a, a, a game where they committed 15 penalties against uh, SMU. Through three games, they had 31 penalties, which at that point was the most of uh, any team in, in the conference. And he, you know, we kind of asked him, he's like, I know you're going to ask about penalties. And so we're like, what do you do? And he's like, you ever have, he kind of, he loves giving anecdotes. Like, you ever have kids and you have to discipline them? And I was like, that's what we had to do. (laughs) So he doesn't elaborate too much, but unfortunately for the guys, probably some wind sprints and some, you know, uh, uh, push ups uh, uh, during practice. But yeah, he's not the kind of, you know, he doesn't get PO'd. He doesn't get ticked off like that. He'll get upset. Um, and, and he tries to, you know, he's, he's kind of a, a motivator, educator guy, had the reputation with, uh, with you know, being the great recruiter. And, and it's come around where, you know, he's, 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 he's a father figure to these players. And, and they say that, says that about them, they say that. And you just get the vibe and the gist of that uh, as you watch them play and compete. Well, I sure hope both teams don't revert to bad penalties because Purdue had 13 at Syracuse. Oh man, they had uh, <laughs> they had a bunch against Penn State, and if if both teams revert to uh, their bad uh, their bad selves, then uh, we could be there like six hours. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> on Saturday. Seven thirty kick, and we didn't. You know, the game didn't end until like eleven. It was a four hour game. <laughs> it was right. a very long, very long night. Right. Um, I did. I did. Uh, I did want to ask just kind of the vibe you know it's been several years but still i mean does does maryland do maryland people still f- feel part of the big time you know is there still some transition going on there i know the old timers are probably still complaining that they're not in the acc but does it does it feel like big 10 when with maryland uh, i i would i would say no 
Um, they, basketball is a little bit easier to, to have those relationships develop because they've got Penn State years and years ago was a historic rival. Penn State, of course, doesn't right. think so, but right. Maryland <laughs> likes playing them. Um, you know, they, when they they leave the ACC and they lose UVA and Virginia Tech, they played Virginia Tech in the bowl game last year that they won in New York, uh, which was a nice little twist to uh, having a, a game again against Tech. And Tech and uh, UVA come line here in a couple of years. Um, to, I'll give you a you know, personal example. Um, uh, my undergraduate, I got my master's degree from Maryland, I got undergraduate from West Virginia, and I was in West Virginia in the tail end of the East years and had all those rivalries with Pitt and Syracuse and, and Louisville joined the conference later and even Georgetown and basketball, like those were all, you, you could get up for those games. And then, you know, since West Virginia has been in the Big 12 and everybody is, you know, a thousand miles away in the central part of the country, at least with Maryland, they've got Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State and Rutgers are still relatively within a close range there. But in terms of kind of, you, you'll still hear people, oh, I wish we could, you know, once in a while, some chatter about, oh, I missed the ACC and that. But in terms of what we, you know, you probably, you know, see it everywhere with, with how college football is a national sport now. It's no longer a regional sport. It's been thrust into that, uh, that national television has done that, the ability to fly anywhere in the country and to play games on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, uh, uh, even Tuesdays occasionally if you're a MAC team. Uh, that that's turned this into a national sport, and you can. St- I still think it's important to have those, you know, those rivalry games in the out of conference if you're unable to keep them. And Maryland will get some of those back, but uh, it, it, it's it's a great position for them to be in with what we see now. I believe is just the, these top two tier conferences. It's the SEC and the Big Ten. It's a credit to Kevin Warren, who's been out there and, and you know been forceful in making sure the Big Ten doesn't get left behind in that. And now they they assert themselves above the ACC and the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve. Um, in, in terms of the prestige of the conference, and so even if you don't get the, you know, the ACC playing Duke, you know, Maryland fans love to talk, especially in basketball, love to talk about playing Duke and Carolina. Those were tremendous games. Coldfield House, which was the old arena here on campus, um, a lot of great memories from those for for Turk fans. But um, their position, it, it, it's it's good to be where they're at. In the long term, this will pay dividends for them. Uh, and, and being able to be shown to more of the country and to get more people to come here and be considered a, a top-level university. They are in academics, and a lot of the other athletic stands, football uh, and men's basketball, are the lacrosse teams are extremely right. uh, national championship contenders every year. Uh, soccer is coming back around. Field hockey is one of the national uh, championship contending teams. So I think even though fans may not still feel this like Big Ten identity, it's – it's good for them as a program for where they are, and they still have some of the regional stuff in with the Ohio States and the Penn States of the world. Uh, I mean, you, you, even though Maryland's in the Big Ten, you're still in the middle of ACC territory. What what is the what's the feeling about how long the ACC will continue to try to to be to be part part of the big the Big Two or wow. join the Big Two and become uh, number three in the whole thing? Yeah, that's an interesting that's, that's an interesting question. They, you know, we heard. Uh, read rumors over the summer about uh, Miami potentially even leaving the conference, which they had left the, the Big East way back when with Virginia Tech, with Boston College, um, and then the, you know, the ACC grab and they add Louisville in. The biggest you know issue with that, and it kind of all goes back to money sometimes, unfortunately, uh, their contract with ESPN they're locked into kind of leaves them a little bit stale, whereas if you, you could be a little more progressive and saying, hey, our contract's ending, I want to add two or three more schools here to make this more 
uh, more appealing to uh, to a wider audience. And the Big Ten's done that with this, you know, multi-billion-dollar deal that's going to put them on four different networks and uh, on CBS for the first time since that package go their SEC package goes to ESPN. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, ACC kind of yeah feels that little down thing, not necessarily because Clemson isn't as you know still obviously nationally ranked, but um, Pitt was a surprise conference winner last year and Kenny Pickett's off to the league now and they're still a good football team but not necessarily uh, a contender to, to win the conference again you've got Virginia Tech which needed uh, an invigoration into their program Justin Fuente didn't work out they hired Brent Pride that era has not gone started off nearly as well as Tech fans would have thought that it was with losses to Old Dominion West Virginia uh, and North Carolina so far this season so that was a much heralded hire oh, because Virginia, Virginia Tech and, and Maryland are the two you know, major, I would say, both fan bases and schools, college football, lots of people pay attention to mm-hmm. uh, in the D.C. market. UVA, a little bit of a third, more so obviously on the Virginia side, but especially UVA more so in basketball, too, with the national title uh, in 2016. But it's Tech in Maryland, so when, when Maryland kind of rises here, you wonder, well, how, how's, how's Tech going? And, and their program's in, in a state of a little bit of uh, despair, even with a new hire here, uh, and they've got some things to fix. So, yeah, the ACC... It's like, you know, who else are you going to add? West Virginia has always been talked about going there. If, if the Big 12 were to break apart, but the Big 12 is going to add Cincy and UCF and Houston here in the next year. So it's still a shifting sand that I don't think we'll see settle for the next uh, couple of years. But put it this way, the ACC, I think, is in a better position than the Big 12 or than the Pac-12 is because <laughs> that is, you know, it's just going to be a Western conference that is, if you're not in the Big 10, if you're West of the Mississippi, everything's just going to be the Big 12 <laughs> at right, this point. Right. So uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's kind of, it's fun to, it's a little bit silly. It's fun to, to kind of prognosticate and figure out where things are going to go. But um, yeah, the ACC still, still has some life left in it, I think. All righty. George Gerber has been our guest today on the Boilers Extra podcast, breaking down Maryland and touching on some other subjects. So, George, we appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. You've got a lot of things in the air that you're doing, and uh, we appreciate your hard work and uh, look forward to, to seeing you on Saturday. You'll hopefully bring good weather. And it, it's all it's all on you. Uh, you're responsible for the weather, and you're responsible. It's rained for the last three days, so that means it's <laughs> So, you got to get yeah, Ian out. You got to get Ian out of there, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, George, thanks for your time today and appreciate it. Uh, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Yeah. Once again, thanks to George Gerber of the Washington Times for uh, filling us in on Maryland and some other subjects there. Really appreciate it. Uh, getting good insight about uh, kind of the season the Terps have had up to this point. I, I you know they're they're not the level of Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, nobody else is in the league, but they're they're a very solid team. Um, I'm curious when they play Penn State how that game goes. I do think they can compete with Penn State, uh, especially at the offensive uh, side of things. Uh, they have a very dynamic offense, great quarterback, lots of receivers, lots of running back. The experienced offensive line. Purdue's going to have its hands full uh, on Saturday. Um, and it's a different offense than what you faced in Minnesota, where if you took away the run, which Purdue did, then you uh, you forced them to be one-dimensional in the passing game, uh, and they just didn't. They they just don't have Minnesota doesn't have the weapons on the perimeter that that a Maryland has. So, you know, Purdue played very well defensively last week, um, and they're going to have to do it again. But they have to do it against a different 
kind of team. Uh, they're going to have to tackle in space. Uh, missed tackles will be killer. I think I figured it up today. Um, if I can find my notes I wrote on. Uh, in the When you take away Indiana State, which is an FCS team, so when you look at Purdue's FBS games against Penn State, Syracuse, Florida Atlantic, and Minnesota, uh, those opposing teams you know, generated 55.7% of its yards after the catch. So what that tells me is that, you know, Purdue's missing some tackles. Um, they're out of position in, in some other plays. Uh, but teams are, are tacking on yardage after the catch at a pretty high rate, in my opinion. And that's something that I, I think can really burn Purdue this week. Um, if they don't tackle better, if they don't uh, wrap up better, if they don't keep uh, receivers and, and running backs in front of them, um, it, it could lead to a very, very long day. You know, conversely, when you look at Purdue and yards after the catch in the last two games, it hasn't been a lot. Not what we were accustomed to uh, against Penn State and maybe against Syracuse. Uh, and part of that is how teams are playing Purdue with uh, deeper safeties, not trying to get deep beat or get beat deep. Uh, you know, Purdue's lo- longest pass play Saturday against Minnesota was 28 yards, and it was a big play, uh, O'Connell to Jones on the uh, field goal drive in the fourth quarter. But uh, against Florida Atlantic, I believe the longest play was. Uh, 28 yards again, and that was a swing pass to Devin Mockamy from Austin Burton. So Purdue is not getting a lot of separation uh, from a receiver standpoint in their downfield passing. Uh, they're going to have to hit some big plays on Saturday to, to open up some things. Um, you know, Maryland's defense, you know, is, you know, as, as I mentioned in, you know, in talking to, to George, Usually, when one team is, you know, when it, when a team is really good on offense or not great on defense, uh, and not that Maryland's world beaters on defense, but I think their defense is a lot better than I think people give them credit for. Um, and when you only have Charlie Jones as your main receiver, uh, teams start to take that away. Um, so Purdue Purdue needs some others to step up. O'Connell needs to look for some other players. I think he's he did that a little bit more on Saturday. But the you know the best thing that Purdue can do in this game is mainly from an offensive standpoint is you know have methodical drives you know if they're going to give the the underneath routes then you take them you know time of possession if Purdue can win that battle that keeps their defense off the field it keeps Maryland's offense off the field uh, and that may be a path to victory uh, for Purdue but they also could get in a shootout with this team and we could be in the fourth quarter and both teams in the forties. Uh, so uh, you just don't know what what what's going to happen. You know, Maryland has more weapons than Purdue does on offense. You know, Purdue doesn't have the bevy of 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 weapons that Maryland has. Uh, you know, they're you know Purdue if Purdue's going to win this game on an offense from an offensive standpoint. Charlie Jones has to have a big game. Payne Durham has to have a big game. They need they need one of the running backs. Uh, in a in a to step up and have a big game, um, and O'Connell has to be sharp. And I think a week of practice will uh, will help him. You know, you got to remember he really didn't practice the last two weeks uh, dealing with the injury. 
Uh, he wasn't sharp against Minnesota. He was good enough. He still completed six sixty-eight percent of his passes. Uh, so, uh, but he, he he needs to be better. Then defensively, they just they got to figure out a way to uh, to keep Maryland out of the end zone. Uh, and when they get in the red zone, you got to hold them to field goals. I mean, this is not going to, in my opinion, uh, and I could be surprised by this, but this is not going to be a you know Purdue shutdown like they did Minnesota defense last week. Uh, I think they're going to give up some yards. They're going to give up some points. It's just a matter if they can, you know, keep them from numerous explosive plays, uh, ones that that are backbreakers, you know, ones on third and long, uh, and, and things like that. Um, you know, because I think Corey Trice played his best game last week. Uh, the secondary in general played better. Uh, but they're going to have to get some pressure on the quarterback too. And that's something they haven't done consistently. They've been close. Uh, but you just can't give this quarterback all the time in the world to to find receivers because he will. And he's got a good offensive line to protect him. So there's a lot of things that you know Purdue has to overcome. And I, I'm going to say this, and it may not make sense. Of course, I don't say a lot of things that make sense. But when you're looking at trying to win the Big Ten West, which Purdue obviously is trying to do, this game is somewhat irrelevant. And I say that because Maryland's in the East. Uh, it would be down the line on a tiebreaker. Uh, you know, and this you know this will be obvious. But if you know if Purdue would lose to Maryland, but they would win their their last. Um, they would beat everybody else to close out the year. Then they would win the Big Ten West. They would be uh, uh, seven and two in the Big Ten West, and that would get you that would get you the title, in my opinion. So, by beating Minnesota, it kind of opens the door a little bit, where you have a little margin for error this week, where a loss to Maryland doesn't doesn't kill you in the Big West picture. I mean, it puts you at, at three and three. But when you start looking at the schedule after this with hosting Nebraska, which, um, you know, you would think that that would, you know, Purdue would be favored in that game. Going to Wisconsin, Wisconsin's in a little, you know, they're in transition right now into the interim coach. Still a very good team, one that Purdue has not beaten in a long, long time. And then you get the month of November with Iowa at home at Illinois. Illinois is playing great right now, but... How will Illinois be playing in November? How will Purdue be playing in November? And then Northwestern and Indiana. You know, those last um, six games um, are, are, are more important than this game on on Saturday. And and that's, that's how I, I kind of view this. I mean, if Purdue wins, it's kind of, you know, it's gravy. You know, it's it's a it's a nice bonus. But if they lose, it's not the end of the world when you're when you look at the Big West, Big Ten West. Uh, because every game after Saturday takes on extra meaning because they're all uh, Big Ten West games and all games that, as of right now, and if you can get Jalen Graham back this week uh, playing on defense, uh, that makes that defense more whole uh, because he is their top playmaker. Um, then you, you start the second half of the year in a pretty good position, even though you would be 1-2 and two in the Big Ten West and you might get written off just a little bit uh, but I don't think you write anybody off in the Big Ten West right now. It's going to be back and forth. 
Uh, but the, you know, any team that can somehow take control, get a winning streak together, is going to put themselves in a position once you get to November, get to mid-November, with an opportunity to win this thing. And I think you know Purdue is right there in the conversation, regardless of what happens on Saturday. In in, in my opinion, so uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Had one question come in, uh, wanting to know if it's possible that uh, can they put walk-ons on scholarship. Uh, during the middle of the year. Yes, they can. They can do that. Uh, but I can't tell you for sure if Purdue has any to give. Uh, whether, and they're talking specifically about Devin Mockaby, uh, whether they have any to give right now, uh, what that procedure would be. But yeah, you can put, you can put, uh, you can put an out, you can put anybody on scholarship at any point in the year. Um, I think basketball. Yeah, I think Matt Painter did that last year with uh, one of his uh, one of one of one of the walk-ons. So, um, yeah, you know Jeff Brom could do it, but you know Jeff's always kind of skittish about that stuff. He, you know, he's he seems worried that well, if I put this walk-on on scholarship, the other walk-on walk-ons might, you know, they're not going to like it type of thing. Well, that's that's life. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> In a place of business, not everybody's paid the same. It's just the way it goes. Uh, so, yes, they, they could do it if they wanted to. Uh, I mean, you have two walk-on running backs that have rushed for 100 yards in the last two games. Uh, and I, I, I have no idea if that's ever happened in the history of college football. Probably somewhere along the line it has, but uh, I wouldn't begin to know where to look to see if that's ever happened. And probably has not happened for sure at Purdue. Uh, so... Anyway, hope uh, hope you answered the question. Uh, we'll be back Saturday after the game uh, at some point to recap what happened. Noon kickoff uh, in Maryland. The weather will be cool. Uh, I don't think there'll be rain. Uh, so, yeah, Purdue and Maryland, uh, big opportunity for Purdue if they can get the win. But, again, uh, in my opinion, a loss is not devastating uh, in any way, depending on how it plays out, depending on if there's any injuries or depending on that. And then uh, they can, uh, you know, then you get into the, the true meat of your schedule uh, after Saturday. But this will be, be a good test uh, for Purdue, uh, especially defensively, to, to deal with these weapons uh, that Maryland has assembled on the offensive side. And I think there'll be scoring opportunities for Purdue there as well in the run game and the pass game. And you just got to avoid the turnovers, cut out the silly penalties, and, you know, kind of see where uh, this all uh, lands come Saturday afternoon. Thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. Um, and again, we'll be back after Saturday's game to recap what happened uh, uh, with Purdue and Maryland.